Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well, if you were here this morning, I mentioned that I was going to teach you a message that was inspired by something that uh, our granddaughter, Olivia, said while I was just down there this week. So I would like to say this, that this message is brought to you compliments of Livy. I'm telling you, out of the mouth of babes, wisdom flows. So the title of my message tonight is, What is Trying to Stick to You? What's trying to stick to you? So what happened is uh, one day, Livy and I were just having a little chat, and uh, she likes to share things with her Grammy, and just she started saying, she goes to a Christian preschool, but she says, Grammy, there's this girl at my school. She's really mean. She's not nice. Tries to get everybody in trouble. So, you know, I'm trying to give her tidbits of wisdom. Said, well, now, you know, Olivia, that's not how Jesus wants us to act. Jesus wants us to be kind. Jesus wants us to be nice and to to be loving and to not be tattletales and telling her all these things. And she says, she gets, she sets up in her little chair and she goes, I know, Grammy. And then she said, and you know what? Jesus, he took all of that. Jesus took our sins away. And then she says, except for Mia's. And then she goes like this, they're sticking to her. (laughs) Did y'all get that over here? Except for Mia's. We'll change the name to protect the innocent. They're sticking to her, she said. And I just, that just hit me. And I thought, wow, what wisdom, what insight that even children, children know right from wrong. Children know good and children know bad. And even little ones, they've been taught about Jesus. They know how you're supposed to act if you have Jesus on the inside of you. They know what a Christian is supposed to look like. And when they see somebody not acting like a Christian, they're like, wow, something's wrong here. This doesn't compute. So the way it made sense to her was that this little girl's were sticking to her. She hadn't gotten rid of them. They weren't washed away by Jesus. So I have a question for you tonight. Have you ever had something stick to you? Even in the natural, it's not good. I know little kids used to do this. Our boys, when they came out with those post-its, they thought that was the funnest thing. Kids in school, junior high boys, they would find little post-its and they'd write silly stuff on there like, hit me or I'm stupid. And then they would put it on each other's backs. And all day long, you know, somebody's getting slapped and on the back. Things were sticking to them. They couldn't see it on their back. Or this is probably absolutely the worst. If you've ever had this experience, and I don't need you to give me a witness, but you know, you maybe have gone in a public bathroom and, and you come out and you don't realize it, but there's toilet paper stuck to your shoe. And you're dragging something nasty around until somebody says, you know, you got something stuck to your shoe. It's not a good thing, right? <laughs> Well, it's kind of embarrassing when something is stuck on our back or stuck on our our shoe and we're unaware of it. You know, oftentimes these natural analogies, they have a spiritual lesson in this for us, a spiritual truth. Did you know that even though you are born again, 
Spirit-filled, many of you, love God with all of your heart. There are ungodly things that will try to stick to you. There are things from the past that will try to cling to you. If you had little push points when you were not born again, the, the devil will try to push those points. He'll try to slap something back on you. He'll try to come along. You know, I like Reuben. Last time I hit you on the head, right? So tonight I'll slap him on the back. How's that? I told you, beware if you sat here. He'll come along and he'll slap condemnation on your back. He'll slap, ooh, you're a loser, on your back. Or some, something else from your past. Even though we are born again, the old man, things of the old man try to cling to us, try to stick to us. Some Christians, they're almost like this. They, they know that they, they should be walking in the light of the Word of God, but all these things from their past are like, well, you know, I might just need to hold on to that anger a little bit. I might just need to hold on to telling people off just a little bit. And they're dragging the old man around kind of like Pete, like Dracula in a coffin just in case he might need to yield to the flesh and have a fit of carnality. So they're letting these things hang on them when the Bible tells us we need to get rid of it. And isn't it amazing if you are letting things cling to you like anger, like, you know, getting real irritated and all this stuff many times, all it is is selfishness. If you're somewhere and somebody is not waiting on you fast enough or, or some little old lady, how come it's always little old ladies? Let's use little old man on 880. It's going too slow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Go, granny, go, granny, go. I is a granny now, so I don't like that anymore. But anyhow, and we just have this fit. Hurry up. Don't you know I'm important? i got to be somewhere. And because you're going the speed limit, you're going to make me three minutes late. The stuff like that, it's all associated with selfishness. What's trying to stick to you? What about jealousy? Envy. How come them to get so blessed? Doesn't God know I've been in church more than they have? Doesn't God know that I pray a lot more than they do? I'm a better person than them. Envy and jealousy trying to rise up. Or what about this one that tries to stick to people? That was one that here. Here it comes, Reuben. Whap! Self-pity. Poor me. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms. Is that right? Anyway. (laughs) Oh, boy. I've been too many nursery rhymes this week. Anyhow, that's a big one. Self-pity. Guilt. Condemnation. How about fear? If you weren't here this morning, you need to get pastor's message. Fear. We're not to be letting fear stick to our lives. Not to be led by fear. What about doubt and worry? All of these things. You know what the Bible calls them? Sins. And then even things that are not sins calls them weights. And they are designed to slow down our spiritual pace. 
Now let's look in the word over at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 in the Amplify. What's trying to stick to you and what are you going to do with it? Hebrews 12:1 in the Amplified. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off, throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and deftly, how do you say that? Deftly. Okay, whatever cleverly clings to and entangles us. You get the point, right? And what are we supposed to do? Let us run with patient endurance. I don't like that word sometimes, but it's in the Bible. Patient endurance and steady and active persistence. The appointed course of the race that is set before us. There are some words that are very emphatic in this passage of Scripture that he emphasizes real strongly. Some, some phrases here. Strip off. Throw aside. And then he stresses how important it is to get rid of hindrances, weights, and sins that will try to cling to. That's another way of saying stick to us. What's he say to do with them? Are we supposed to pet them? Are we supposed to say, well, you know, everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. And we got to deal with our issues. And sometimes it takes years and years to get delivered and to get free from our issues. Well, I'm not putting that down. But really, it doesn't have to take years and years. This says, strip off. Throw them aside. That tells me you can do it as an act of your will and according to the Word of God. Now, well, let's, by way of illustration, let's say this. I don't know, do, I guess they have ant hills here. Of course, in Oklahoma and the farm area, there were ant hills. You know what an ant hill is? It's an ant house. They build little houses, and there's an ant colony, and there's a lot of them there. And there's different kinds of ants. But in Oklahoma, we had red ants. And you don't want to get bit by one red ant, let alone a whole colony of them. And let's say that you're you're out and about in the woods, and you accidentally stand on a red ant den. And all of a sudden, you feel something crawling up your leg, more than one. And you start feeling something biting your leg. Do you think that you're just going to go, ooh, get out, ooh, get out? You know, I've seen my brothers do this. And they, you know, they usually wore clean underwear, so it wasn't a deal. But anyhow, (laughs) I have seen them. Come on, we were kids. But I have seen them literally strip their pants off. Ah, got ants. In my pants. And that's not a good thing to have. And they weren't pretty about it. They didn't say, oh man, I better not do that in front of my sisters. They're like, ah, ants. Or maybe another illustration. You might be on a picnic and all of a sudden there's a swarm of bees. And you have a jacket laying there and you think, well, I better get out of here. So you put your jacket on just to realize there's a bee in your jacket. Or a bee in your bonnet. If you're like 90 years old, you know what I'm talking about. And anyhow, (laughs) what are you going to do? You're going to strip off that jacket. You're going to rip off 
that bonnet because there's something poisonous in there. There's something that's trying to bite you or sting you. And this analogy here is very clear to us that that should be our same attitude towards sins and unnecessary weights. Things that will slow us down. Things that will cause us to go at a slower pace in our race than God has graced us to go. That all rhyme. Grace, pace, race. We're supposed to have, there's a pace for us to run our race. And unfortunately, some Christians, they've been sidelined. They're not even on the road. And others are running in low gear. They are creeping along at a slow speed. Why? They're loaded down by rocks of hurt, boulders of care, sickness, mountains of debt. All these things are slowing their vehicle down. But God wants us to be a well-oiled machine. Oiled by the Holy Ghost and functioning under the unction and going at the greatest pace we possibly can, running our race. I really believe at church that it is time for the church to switch into, shift into high gear. And you know, just when I said that high gear today, as I was thinking about that, I looked up the word high. There's a lot of different definitions, but there's literally one that said this. The transmission gear of a motor vehicle producing the greatest speed. Hmm. So, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said it's time for the church to shift into high gear, to get into motion, to get in that place that produces the greatest speed. Time is running out. This age is wrapping up. Jesus is coming, and he is coming soon. But we need to speed up and stay in tune with what the Spirit of God is saying and what he is doing. Now, notice I said speed up and stay in tune with the Spirit of God. When I say shift into high gear, I'm not talking about going off half-cocked and just running around like a chicken with your head cut off and just doing crazy things and, and overcommitting and overextending yourself. And like Pastor said this morning, just being led by pressure and being led by great ideas and being led by people and, oh, i got to go over here and i got to go over there and i got to do this and i got to do that. Busy, busy, busy. No, that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about not having confidence constant activity, but waiting on the Lord and waiting on the Lord until we hear what he says to do. And when he says to do it, do what we always told our kids, do it quickly and quietly. Do it without murmuring. Do it without discussion. Do it without questioning. I saw it again firsthand with Libby this week. You know, our mommy would say, go to bed. And so about 10 minutes later, come out. Uh, I'm thirsty. Livy, go back to bed. A few minutes later, uh, Mom, I need a snack. And then one night it was crocodile tears, like Pastor was talking about this morning. But I want to sleep with Grammy. She wasn't going to bed quickly 
and quietly. And that's not pleasing. We shouldn't encourage that kind of behavior. But God, he sees it all the time in his kids. He says, okay, I want you to go over there. I want you to do this. I want you to obey me. Obey, be willing and obedient, and you'll eat the good of the land. But we're like, but God, did you know? But God, it might rain tonight. But God, did you know this? And oh, how about if I did this? And tried to... God is not, he's not the host of let's make a deal. He knows what's best in our life. We are to follow those promptings and obey him quickly and quietly and get with the program. Keep stride. Keep pace with the spirit of God. Not running behind. So many Christians say that stuff. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit behind what I know God wants me to do. Why? Why should we always be behind and trying to catch up? We can do what he asks us to do, and we can do it in his strength, relying and depending on his strength, not our own. Own will help us run at a quick pace, help us run our race. You notice he didn't say, crawl your race. He said, run your race and finish your course. Do you receive that time to get in to high gear? And how are we going to do that? We're going to shake off things that are trying to stick to us. We're going to get rid of weights that are slowing us down. You all are a well-taught group here, and I don't have to tell you what those things may be. You can examine your own heart, and the Spirit of God will reveal that to you. But when He does reveal things to you, be willing to cut it off. Be willing to lay it aside, to get rid of it. If He asks you to get rid of something, it's because it's hindering you from operating at your optimum capacity in Him. Amen? Now, there's another great Bible illustration about how important it is to shake things off and not let them stick to us. Anyone ever heard of the Apostle Paul? I just love to read about him and and all the stuff that he went through in his life and, and his attitude. So let me give you just a little summary here tonight. uh, We'll look over in in Acts chapter 23, and we're not going to look at any passages just yet. I'm going to capsulize some things, and and so you just follow along here. I'm going to tell you a little story. The Apostle Paul was arrested, and he was told that he was going to go stand before Caesar. Caesar. And you can follow, you can track this out. In Acts chapter 23, he had preached, and it had stirred up the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They arrested him. They put him in jail. But even in the midst of that happening to him, God gave him a promise. As I was studying this afternoon, this just came up in my heart. You never have a problem that a promise won't cover. Isn't that good? Paul had a problem. He was arrested unjustly and put into jail. But in the midst of that problem, God gave him a promise. You never have a problem that a promise won't cover. There's nothing that we ever face that the Word of God won't show us the answer to. I like that. Amen? 
So anyhow, he's arrested. He's put into jail. But this is what happened. Acts 23, verse 11. And tonight I'm going to read uh, most of these out of the King James Version because that's the Bible that I brought. Acts 23, verse 11 says, And the night following, this after he got arrested, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. You're going to see later how important this promise was to him. Here he is. He's arrested unjustly. But that night, the angel of the Lord, the Lord spoke to him and said, Be of good cheer. And then he told him what his plan and his purpose for his life was. Then you track it out. In Acts 24, he's brought now before Felix, not Felix the cat, Felix the mayor. <laughs> and accusations are made against him. If you look at the, in Acts 24, I don't remember what verse it was, but in the Amplified, these were the accusations. He's a pest. He's an agitator. And that was all they could think to say to Felix. You've got to do something with this guy. He's bugging us. He's pesty. He's agitating. Well, what he was doing, he was stirring up the religious spirits in them. And they didn't like it. So Felix, he must not have been a real strong leader. And he wanted to please the religious leaders. So the Bible says he kept Paul in prison for two years. Not two days, two years. But while he was in prison, he had such favor there that the guards, they gave him freedom, that he could have as many visitors as he wanted. He had liberty, but he was still in prison for two years. Then finally, Acts 25, two years later, he was brought before Festus, not Marshall Dillon's deputy, Festus, the governor. These guys have great names, Felix and Festus. Hmm. And he didn't know what to do with him either. So then in verse 26, Festus, Governor Festus, some of you are looking at me like, who in the world is Marshall Dillon? <laughs> I know, I know. I'm almost 60. What can I say? Hallelujah. Now we're arguing down here. Festus wasn't really, he wanted to be a deputy. Was he a deputy? Yes, he was. He was a deputy. Chester. <laughs> now come on, really? Are we going to argue about this? Anyway, Festus was a character on Gunschmook. He was a deputy. Anyhow, so... Festus, just like on Gunsmoke, he didn't really know what was going on. He didn't know what to do with him. So, Acts chapter 26, he's brought now, he's gone from the mayor to the governor. And in Acts chapter 26, he's brought before a king. His name is Agrippa, and I don't have any funny things with that one. He's brought before King Agrippa. And then he says, King Agrippa makes a great decision. I'm going to send you to Rome to be tried by Caesar. And I'm sure when he said that, that Paul's spiritual antennas went up. And he's like, oh, okay. 
That's what the Lord told me two years ago, that I had to go to Rome and had to come before Caesar. You know, the enemy, he'll try to hinder the plan of God for your life. He'll try to send decoys and distractions and delays. And I like what Pastor Mark says, delays are not denials. If you've heard from the Lord and you have a promise, you stand up on it. And time doesn't mean anything in the realm of the Spirit. It shall all come to pass. So I can imagine that day. There was probably an excitement in Paul's spirit when he says, Agrippa makes the decision, I'm sending you to Rome. There was an excitement there. So we see in Acts 27, he got on this ship. And it wasn't the good ship lollipop. Anyhow, he got on this ship. And they're heading out to Rome. I tell you, way too many nursery rhymes. They're heading out to Rome. And they arrived in Crete. And when they landed in Crete, Paul had an unsettling in his heart. And he warned them, we should not set sail. He said, I perceive that there's going to be some hurt and some harm that's going to come to us. But the Bible says the centurion, the guy in charge, he listened to the captain of the ship more than Paul, you know, experts don't always know everything. Experts may lean to their reasoning. This guy was trained in calculating the weather and how the wind was blowing. And the Bible says that the soft wind blew, the south wind blew softly. So this expert says, oh, no, we're good to go. And so the centurion said, let's listen to him and not this preacher. What in the world does he know about selling a ship? He's a preacher. And I liked how it says in verse 10, though. Paul said, I perceive. What does that mean? Perceive. It means that he knew something in his spirit. He wasn't basing it on head knowledge. He wasn't basing it on weather patterns. He knew in his heart that something was wrong. And then the Bible goes on to say, but they didn't listen to him. They set sail and boom, all of a sudden, here came the storm. Ureculon, a mega storm, arose. And it was not a good thing that happened. And I want us to pick this story up in Acts chapter 12. 27, I want to read verse 21, if you would, please. But after long ab- abstinence, <laughs> thank you, look, abstinence, yes, there we go, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, and he said, I like his tenacity, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and not loosed from Crete, and to have gained this hurt and this harm. And verse 22, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Hear that phrase is again. Be of good cheer. The angel of the Lord had told him that in Acts 23. Be of good cheer. You're going to stand before Caesar. Now they're in the midst of this huge storm. And the Lord speaks to him. And to tell them, be of good cheer. You're not going to die. And then verse 23. There stood by me this night the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom's I serve. Woo! Hallelujah. 
That sends a thrill in my spirit. There stood by me this night the angel of the Lord. You know, when you're in the midst of the storm, it's a good thing to have the angel of the Lord come and stand by you. Come here, Terry. It's one thing, you know, the Lord speaks to your heart. I'm taller than her, isn't that good? But so, I'm the angel of the Lord and you're Paul. Paul was short anyway, I think. Yeah, so, I'm the angel of the Lord. And I'm coming. And here's little Paul. And he's on this ship. And all of a sudden, he might have been tossed to and fro. If you're in the midst of a storm, it's rocky on that boat. But the angel stood. And when the angel stood, you know what it did? It lifted Paul up. Woo! It pulled Paul up. Gave him strength. Hallelujah. It's a good thing to have the angel of the Lord come and to stand by you. When you might be tempted to be knocked down by the storms of life and the howling winds are all around you and you're just flat on your face and all of a sudden the Lord sends an angel. And the angel, I like how it says the angel wasn't laying by him. The angel stood by him. And it infused him with strength. And it infused him with courage. Hallelujah. Woo! And this is what he said. The angel said this to Paul. Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. Here it is again. That promise that he had been given two years ago was coming to pass. You will be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sell with thee. And then he goes on and he says it again. The third good cheer we see in these passages. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Hallelujah. Has the Lord told you anything? If God's told you something, it shall be even as he has told you. Glory to God. Paul was encouraged. Paul was strengthened. And he knew that he was going to Rome. So here they go. They end up, of course, there is the shipwreck. Nobody's died. But the ship is completely destroyed. So we go on over to Acts chapter 28, and they end up on this island. Paul's out there gathering sticks to build a fire. Been through all of this junk, been through a shipwreck, been through a storm. He's out there trying to get warm. And look at verse 3. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. You've got to be kidding me. I'm sure Paul's reaction could have been, well, for heaven's sake. First, I was wrongly accused. Then I was put in jail. I spent two years in prison. I was tried before these guys with weird names, Felix and Festus. Then I sailed with these idiots who wouldn't listen to me when I told them that a storm was coming. Then we were shipwrecked. God on this God-forsaken island with these barbarians, and now this, a poison snake, jumps out of the wood and bites me? What else could go wrong? He could have said, why, Lord, why? 
You said I was going to be brought before Caesar. Could we, Caesar, could we just like get there already? Could it be done already? But you know what? Later on, Paul wrote these famous words. None of these things move me. Neither count my life dear. But he was determined to finish his course and to run his race. How many of us would say none of these things, including being put in prison, being beat, being on a ship in the middle of a storm, facing a shipwreck, now bitten by a a poisonous viper? How many of us would say nothing, none of these things? Move me. I think we would say, ah, something is happening here. I can't handle much more. But Paul had this revelation. All of these things were coming from the pit of the hell designed by the devil to hinder him. They're little demons that, that were trying to just push his button and hinder him. Thorns in the flesh, just little agitating things and setbacks of the devil coming his way. Did you know that that's what the enemy tries to do in our lives? He tries to get little things to hang on us, little imps to follow us around and try to take advantage. That's why they're called familiar spirits. They're not in us as believers, but they are familiar with you. They're familiar with what pushes your button. They're familiar with what tests and temptations that you've yielded to before. They don't know everything but they do know some things about us. I got a little funny illustration to show you that, you know, the devil is all pow- not all powerful, and keep in mind he's defeated, but they do know some things. How many of you have heard of Lester Summerall? Lester Summerall was a powerful man of God. He was a general in the Lord's army. He walked in boldness, and he walked in authority. And he was known for casting the devil out of people with power. And they came out in Jesus' name. So when he was just getting started in his ministry, he had a son-in-law by the, uh, yes, brother-in-law by the name of Murphy. And so he decided that he was going to train Murphy, and he was going to mentor him in the ways of casting out the devil. And there was this lady in their particular area that was known for being demon-possessed. I mean, she wasn't, you know, just a little thing here. She was totally demon-possessed. So Lester calls up Murphy, and he says, Murphy, we're going to cast the devil out of this lady. But before we go, this is what we're going to do. All day, we're going to get in the Word, we're going to fast, and we're going to pray. And I'll be by at 8 o'clock in the morning to pick you up. Hangs up the phone. That was just how he was. So the next day, 8 o'clock in the morning, he goes to pick up Murphy. They're driving over to the lady's house. They get there. Lester Summerall walks in in that authority that he carried, and he said, We're here to cast you out, you foul spirit. And then he says, we've been in the Word, we've been praying, and we've been fasting. And this demon, out of that lady, in a man's voice said, Murphy ate. (laughs) Murphy ate. Lester in his gruff voice. He looked at Murphy right in the eyes and he said, 
Murphy, is that true? And Murphy goes, I'm sorry, Lester, but I was so hungry this morning I did eat breakfast. <laughs> the devil knew it. And so, <laughs> but Lester says, oh, it don't matter. You're coming out anyway. So it don't matter if you ate or not. The devil still has to come out when we command him. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Even if he tries to accuse you of eating, and he tries to accuse you of bring, bringing condemnation, and you didn't pray enough, you didn't read your Bible enough, you were supposed to fast, and I saw you eat that candy bar. You know, all of this kind of junk. It's not based on merit. It's not based on works. It's based on the blood. Amen. That devil came out. Anyway, what do we do with the devil's lies and accusations? We do the same thing that Paul did with that poisonous snake. Let's look at this. Verse 5 in the Amplified. So here's this viper attaching itself to the Apostle Paul. He didn't pet it. He didn't say, why me? Oh, my goodness. How, what else can go wrong? This is what he did. And this is what we got to do. And I love it in the Amplified. Then Paul simply shook off the small creature into the fire. And he suffered no evil effects. Woo! Hallelujah! That thing, that viperous thing, that poisonous thing that was trying to attach itself to him, he shook it off into the fire. You know, snakes are symbolic, and I hope you don't have a, a pet snake. Yuck, I don't like snakes. But anyhow, he shook it off because why? You know, snakes are poisonous. A lot of them are. And they will kill you if they bite you, just like this one would have. But Paul, he wasn't moved by that. He shook it off. So I got a question for you tonight. What kind of thing is trying to attach itself to you? Are you letting it stay there? Are you letting it hang on? Are you like, why is this happening to me? How come all this trouble? Why are all these terrible things going on in my life? I want to exhort you, don't allow those thoughts of the enemy. Don't buy in to those feelings of fear and those feelings of inadequacy, those thoughts of condemnation. That's just really strong in my heart tonight that there's somebody in here. You're dealing with a lot of condemnation. You, you, you've been saying, I, but I just don't measure up. I just don't do enough. Well, none of us are justified by our works. You need to repent if you have missed it. But then you need to get under the blood and say, I'm cleansed. I'm in right standing with my Father. I am not going to be condemned. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Shake it off. Don't let the devil's stickies stick to you. What's trying to stick to you? Shake it off. Shake off fear. Shake off doubt. There's somebody in here that has been so worried you can't sleep at night. Shake it off. 
And I like this analogy that the Apostle Paul, he shook that viper off into the fire. Why? Because the fire will consume it. The Holy Ghost and fire will burn away that garbage and those hindrances. Everybody stand with me tonight. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord, for the power. Hallelujah. To shake those things off. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody lift your hands and lift your voice. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We thank you that you are the lifter. You lift us out of oppression. You lift us You lifted us out of the miry clay. You set our feet on the rock to stay. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that we are high and lifted up with you. And when we shall not be hindered. We shall not be slowed down. No, we are not going to be operating in low gear because our vehicle is loaded down with a bunch of garbage. Nope. You know how we're traveling? Light and easy in the name of Jesus. I believe the word speaks for itself tonight, but I just want to give you this opportunity. We're still going to receive the offering, so nobody leave, please. But if this really spoke to you, and you know there's some things you've got to shake off. I don't need to know what they are. You know that there's some things that have been trying to attach themselves to you. Just come down here, just group down here. We don't need to lay hands on you, but I want you just as an act of faith, just to say, okay, I'm coming down there. I'm shaking that off. There's somebody in here that's really been dealing with low self-worth. It's just like the enemy's just beating you up, telling you that you're not good enough. You're not ever going to accomplish anything. If that fits you, or, or there's others that have been dealing with fear. And now this just, you know, another way, the thing that can slow us down is sickness and disease. And I'm not saying that sickness and disease are, are, are you know, that it's not like it's always demonic spirits. I'm not saying that. But they are, it is a hindrance. It is a hindrance. So if you've been dealing with any kind of sickness, I want you to come over on this side. We're going to shake it off. Going to be strong. Anybody dealing with any kind of sickness? And there's a There's somebody that's really been under a lot of stress. Stress. Pressure. Oh my goodness. Those are those are not of the Lord. Stress and pressure will take a toll, not only on your emotions, but it will take a toll. Stress and pressure will take a toll even on your physical body. And God wants you strong. God wants you whole. Now, how many of you up here for healing? Hallelujah. 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 First of all, we're going to pray for you guys down here just as an act of faith. I don't need to know what it is, but something, Terry, just help me. Something that's been trying to hang on you. Everybody just start doing this. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off in the name of Jesus. You have no I'm telling you, I've been waiting to hear that Murphy illustration all day long. I knew it was coming. 
Murphy eight. Man, just so good. Such a great illustration. And you know, Dr. Sumrall uh, preached in our church once. Um, maybe some of you remember the night he was over at Marina High School where we had church, and he was a general, as Brenda said. And uh, he, uh, we had this platform that would go. Uh, right off the platform into a little area, and then it would go into our office, and it had a restroom in there. And Lester left the the uh, platform just immediately after he preached and didn't turn the mic off and went to use the restroom. <laughs> and the ushers, the ushers came running in there, have him turn the mic off, have him turn the mic off. And Lester looked at me with eyes piercing and says, that wasn't on, was it? And I said, I think everything's just fine now, Dr. Sumrall. But uh, what a wonderful man of God. And a, another another wonderful man of God went home to be with the Lord here last Friday. Charles Capps went to be with Jesus. And we love Charles. Great ministry. Amen. And all the things that he, uh, he'd sown on Faith's Confession was wonderful. Um, the report is this, is that he told his wife, his wife's name is Peggy, he told his wife on Friday that he was going to go home to be with the Lord Sunday. And uh, he departed at 5.30 a.m. Sunday morning. What a way to go, huh? You know, to depart and to be with the Lord is far better. It's better by far. Wow, what a great message. You know, a wonderful title of that message would be Shake and Bake, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. You shake it off, and the devil bakes. You send him right back where he belongs. Oh, man. Shake and bake, baby. Wow. And, and I got to thinking about, you know, for some of you guys who played football or played sports, and maybe you, you got you got hit or something, I can remember in eighth grade getting the wind knocked out of me, and I didn't know what was going on. I was just breathing uncontrollably, just looking for oxygen, and... and uh, they took me out for a play or two, and basically the coach said, shake it off, get back in there. You know, sometimes you just got to shake off the things that would try to beset you and get right back in there. Get right back in there and move with God. Amen? The other thing that came to me as she was teaching and preaching, you don't need these post comments, but it's good. Um, the other thing that came to me was, was that when she was talking about that race and, and laying it aside and and immediately I saw people in a race, and I saw them in their right designated lane. Now listen, when you are in your place in this day and this hour, and when you are in your lane, you can expect a rushing mighty wind to cause you to go high speed for Him. See, we can move fast when we're moving with Him. Amen? So being in the right lane is awesome. Praise God. Well, I was encouraged tonight. Really, really encouraged.